This episode of NOLA Famous was mixed and mastered by Soul Sonics. That's S-O-U-L-S-O-N-I-X. If you're looking to get the highest quality recording, check out Soul Sonics now. Tell them we sent you and get 20% off your first session. I can laugh when things ain't funny. <laughs> Happy-go-lucky me. Yes, I can smile when I ain't got no money. <laughs> Happy-go-lucky me. It may sound silly, but I don't care. I've got the moonlight, I've got the sun, I've got the stars above. Me and my sweetie, well, Live from Landing Zone Studios, this is Nola Famous. I'm your host, Tatum Gardner. We have Foodie here with us today. Hey, good morning. How was your birthday? It was uh, productive. I didn't really do too much. I um, have been procrastinating on a budget for the new barbecue spot and decided that there's better... I better get at it. So I, I crunched numbers all day Monday for my birthday. You you totally threw me for a loop because I hadn't seen you in like a week and a half, two weeks. And you come in, you're like, okay, I'm open a coffee shop and a barbecue place. I'm like, uh, hello. So it's been that long since I saw your ass. Well, I told you, I think I, um, maybe I did. I run a, I, I've learned in my old age now that I'm 43, going on 33. I move it back when you move closer. Um, <laughs> um, I've learned in my old age that I need to uh, just kind of keep things you know, to heart, not because of not, I don't trust people uh, as I'm looking at a non-disclosure form in my face right now. <laughs> not, <laughs> not for me. Not, not for me. Because um, we're besties. It only. is because we're besties. <laughs> but I, I've just learned to keep things at heart, keep things at the breast because, it, you know, you can speak things into existence, but you can also, also speak things out of existence. So I just kind of was just nervous and hoping that it would go through. And I, I get like that too. Like, I, I don't want to talk too much about it because then if it doesn't happen, then you're like, you have to explain yourself as to why you didn't do it or why it didn't happen. And it's an ill representation on yourself because people say like, well, man, that's, you know, and I'm the type of person that I'm always saying, I got this idea. I got this thing. Somebody approached me with this. So especially with my family, a lot of times where like, I'll see him at Thanksgiving. And then when it's Christmas time, they're like, whatever happened with that? And I'm like, oh, well, it fell through. And I'm like, you're always telling the shit that falls through, but it's like, yeah, but then look at, but my, who cares look at my accomplishments, though. Like, yeah. you have to fall through on a bunch of shit just to be able to make things happen. You know? I'm reading a good book right now. It's called Fail Until You Don't. And Amen. I mean, so many people have all these ideas, and I just think it takes a a, um, a person with balls to say, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to do it. You mm-hmm. never know until There's you try. There's a lot of risk in following your dreams. So Tons of risk. But Speaking yeah. of following dreams, we have the beautiful, lovely... Miss Amy Rinkoff, she is here to talk a lot about herself, but also <laughs> here to talk about just like a lot of projects that she's working on and things that she does in the city. She's a local artist and tastemaker here in New Orleans. Welcome. Hi, thank Welcome. you. That's Hi. the point to talk yes. about yourself. So we, we oh. want to hear all about it. Okay. You're an artist. You're actually designing yes. some t-shirts for a good cause, yes. right? Um, You have a... So shiggity. This is my full-time thing. I do a lot of custom interior painting. Um, The past couple years, I've been working a little bit more on some fine art and working in my studio a lot more, which I like much more than traveling, which is what I had been doing the past five years. Mm -hmm. Um, So... I'm enjoying that. Did you start with the fine art or did you start with the faux finish? I started with the fine art. Okay. And then I was just interested in how do I incorporate painting as much in my life as possible. And uh, I worked on some 
faux finishing projects with some different companies and went out on my own almost about 15 years ago. So, All right. So, I'm sorry, how long have you been an artist? My whole life. Your whole life. Yes. So you knew that's what you wanted to do from a very young age. Yes. I definitely was into all kinds of art since when I was a kid. And then in my 20s, I focused more on culinary arts and learning more about food and in my 30s, more towards nutrition and I have a project. I know I told you last time we saw each other, but and I'm not going to talk about it now, but it incorporates more of the food side and nutrition side. And I'm really excited about hopefully, hopefully that dream and risk will come yeah. into play. But that's in right. We did talk months. a little bit about yeah. that. So, but you're not ready to like fully no. discuss it yet. It's still in the works. <laughs> yeah. Keep it at the breast, I'm not going to talk about it. No, it'll give you a reason to come back. Yeah. Yes, until I exactly. sign this non-disclosure <laughs> for we should have invited that lawyer to be a co-host today. Aww, <laughs> that time. lawyer. Next We're not even going to let him Next, next time. time. What lawyer? Do we have a lawyer? <laughs> no, but we need to have one. Okay, right. <laughs> we'll Especially find one. today. Let's right. get one today. <laughs> we have non-disclosures flying around. And... <laughs> well, that's business in this day and that age. And honestly, um, I, I love it. I, think, I mean, it's like if somebody trusts you, then they're probably going to give you a non-disclosure form. If they don't trust you, then... They'll just probably, shoot you. Yeah, they probably just won't tell you anything. So, I mean, it's kind of, I, I appreciate it. They'll leave but, a cow um, head on your bed. Did, you mentioned culinary <laughs> arts and what have you. Like, tell I me, mean, I know, I know, but I know that New Orleans doesn't know and the world doesn't know. Like, you know, you, you trained under some really good chefs and you do, you still to this day cook some really good, I've try, I have your food a lot. And it's, it's a lot Yeah, I still love to cook. I just do it for myself and for my friends, having dinner parties. And I, I quit doing that professionally you know, over 15 years ago, it just, the hours and lifestyle just wasn't for me anymore. And so uh, I just wanted to focus on my art, but it's a tool I'll use for the rest of my life. What, what chefs did you train under? Um, I worked for John Fools mm-hmm. for a while. I, I did a year for him in the early 90s at Lafitte's Landing. And then I went to his head offices. And back then we were doing all the Baking. I went to his pastry offices and we were doing all the stuff for CC's when they first were, uh, I mean, when they first had five locations. But, you know, there's a handful inside of Louisiana, outside of Louisiana that I've had, you know. So you bake and cook because some people can't do both. I right? can do yeah, both. Baking is chemistry. It's not really cooking. I, I, I do both. Baking's not my favorite thing to do. I like to source that out. It's my friend Stacy. <laughs> like, give me some gluten-free cupcakes with homemade icing. She made me some gluten-free cake balls. And what's the name of her business? Uh, mom. Mom and psychotherapist. <laughs> she just is a really good baker. <laughs> mom and psychotherapist. You heard it here first. Lisa. I'll give that you her like number. A title to a book. Exactly. I'll give you her, her number in the show notes in case you need some therapy while eating a cake she is amazing that so, is good yeah so what is your favorite thing to cook though what would like comfort food southern food italian food uh i like a little bit of everything um i of course have many southern recipes and my stash of backlog stuff mm-hmm. but um i love cooking italian food making anything from scratch making pasta um fresh fish vegetables Look at you. Jack yeah, exactly, of all exactly. trades, right? Um, this is a question that we ask most, a lot of people that come into the show is where, what, being that you have some culinary background, but also being that you're just a social butterfly and you know a lot of people in town, you, what are your favorite places to eat? And what are, what are your favorite places to eat as far as like 
corner stores, which everybody loves to do in this yes. town, and then is to like actually go out and eat. Fine nice. dining. Fine. Yeah. So one of the places that I've been to recently when I had some friends in town, she went to school with the owner in Jersey, I believe, but uh, Capulet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just open during the week, but they have some interesting fare. I have to stay away from the gluten because I immediately start swelling up as soon as I eat. You have celiac? So I don't think I have celiac, but it just it definitely affects me. And I think that the gluten-dairy combination mm-hmm. affects me even more. So um, I try to eat a lot of just protein vegetables. So eating out for me sometimes isn't the most fun for everybody. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I love um, trying new places. I want to go check out Palm and Pine. They're in the French Quarter now. And there's more probably places that I want to check out. But we, uh, I mean, GW Fins is mm-hmm. always a good yeah, one. Actually, I ate there last week and it's just, it ne- they never cease to amaze me. I, mean, I just... know, their stuff is so good. And they have so much gluten-free stuff too on the menu, like their little fish tacos and their, you know, so that's always mm-hmm. really nice that they pay attention to that. We ate at Justine um, also, mm-hmm. which was really good. We enjoyed ourselves. And um I live in the quarters, so I eat at a lot of different places. Nine Roses, the yeah. quarter, I'll go there weekly. I mean, how cool is that? Just to walk out your door and be in the quarter. Walk everywhere. Do you walk I, everywhere? I walk everywhere. I go through shoes really quick. <laughs> My gym's in the quarter, you know, where I go eat, where I work pretty much at home. So I get to stay you know, in the area and just walk around. And, is that where your studio is at your house? Yeah, so you paint I, yeah. from, but I mean, you look out your window and you see Bourbon Street. So how's that for inspiration, right? It's great. You know? <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. So I have a little work area in the back and then sometimes, you know, depending on how hot it is, I may just pull it inside and work on it. But <clears throat> the past few weeks have been dealing with resin been resonant this commissioned piece that I've been trying to get ready to ship the moisture and the temperature is not right. very agreeable and I've done it like 10 times had nightmares about it and I'm ready for it to just be done I was so tired yesterday I was like all right well I'm just gonna go to bed at like eight o'clock and I was laying in bed and I was like I could try that resin just one more time and I did it before I went to it which is perfect let's do it when it's all dark outside and you can't see a thing so, <laughs> do you find um, that the bulk of your business now is people doing commission pieces from out of town or people locally but both these are uh most of the pieces that I'm working on now are out of state two are going to Sarasota one's going to um Oregon or yeah Oregon and uh one's in Baton Rouge do you get a lot of your business from people who see your stuff online or more so just like perusing through the quarter, seeing your stuff in galleries or seeing stuff? I, I, don't, I haven't ever really shown in galleries uh, since I've done interior design work for such a long time. I've kind of created my own captive audience. And so I have a really great following of people who like to purchase artwork. And the one in Oregon is a second commission as well as Sarasota. This will be their second piece. I'm actually giving them a housewarming present too. So I'm sending them two pieces. Kind of also, uh, sorry, your resin is fucked up. Here's another painting. <laughs> it also took me two months, so enjoy. Don't call me. Don't so complain. So the climate influences a lot of like your creative creativity what about the the social climate and the mood in the quarter? Because, you know, you can get different. Does that have an influence on, like, whether or not you want to be creative or 
whether or not like what you want to be creative about like you know when there's different yeah, things like well, working, red restaurant mardi gras you so know. working on these projects that i was telling you about before you know uh so much where i haven't really had a chance to paint a lot in the past few months because i've had to do so much computer work and designs for my t-shirt company and uh it was really difficult. I didn't realize that I was kind of craving it mentally being away from painting that uh, it's an outlet that I really need. And it doesn't matter to me what the climate is outside, what's going on or whatever. But I mean, I really like to paint every day. So. You do? You do like to paint mm-hmm. every day? Yeah. And I'll just, I'll get up at five, six o'clock in the morning, uh, make some coffee or tea and just start painting Every artist I interview says the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it's just like you're, it's therapeutic. You love it. You love I, doing it. I love it. Yeah. What's your most important artist tool like that you can't live without? Uh, I've been doing, my next show is going to be all impasto painting. So it's really, that? it's really heavy, thick paint. Um, so I may put on a layer of paint and have to wait a couple months. I work all in oils, so I might have to wait a couple months just to get to the point where I can work on it again. So it's a really long. I mean, I've been working on this one impasto oyster piece for almost two years now. And um, not always because of drawing time, but I'm starting other pieces and working on different stuff. But, you know, so it's a little bit slower process, but it's a lot of heavy texture and different tools that I use or palette knives, which yeah. are, you know, I have a whole set of those that I love, all different kinds of shapes and sizes that they make them in. So you can do a lot of different things with them. Do you um, do any people? Do you paint people? <clears throat> not yet, but I am going to do my first one of my grandmother and myself together. So I've got that sketched out and that'll be my first person one. I have no idea how that's going to come out because my strong suit is abstracts. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask that. Like, what is your favorite thing to paint? You said oyster. So I do. do you- I do a lot of realistic painting, but I do a lot of abstract as well. But you're, I've you're never done people. I don't know if I'm really known for that. It's kind of just where of the area that I've been working in the I'd past five years. I, mean, I don't know. It has been a concentration for the past five years, definitely. People know you for that. When, I, when your name comes up in conversation, like, oh, she's the one that does the map. Yes. So I do a lot of different bright, colorful maps of, I mean, people give me neighborhoods or street addresses or cities where they're graduated from college or got married or had their children. And so I can really kind of capture a memory or a moment in time for people that want to, um, you know, memorize it forever. How do you know if a painting is done? Say like you're working on this painting, like for three years, you know, that's a long time to work on one piece of art. How do you be when I'm not going to work on it anymore? (laughs) It's either at that point or when I'm just like, I've just learned to be like, do I like this painting? Would I hang this right. in my place? Do you ever hang it like and say, everything. okay, let me. I hang everything. I hang it all in my living room and I photograph it all there. Um, and I just get to a point where is this, would this be okay for me? And uh, that's just what I have to go because I, I imagine as an artist, you can just keep adding and adding and adding. Have you ever put too much and you're like, okay, oh, this is, sure. yeah, dozens, dozens <laughs> of them. But it's a learning process, yeah. you know, it's 
I may work on, even if I am working on something for three years, just the impasto painting, learning to use all those tools and, you know, how you want your textures to look and how smooth you want it to look or how rough you want it to look or whatever you're looking for it to turn out to. Um, you know, just starting some smoother textured impasto painting, which you have to really, you know, wear your glasses for mm-hmm. up close. Do you get to a point for us or have you been to a point to where you've waited two years for certain textures to, to cure or to dry or what have you and then realize that like you're not inspired by that anymore or you know or it's just some something that No. That hasn't happened yet, but I haven't had I've sold more artwork in the past year that of paintings that I've had that are 10 years old and it's always been kind of my thing is I want to make something that's beautiful it's not something that's necessarily trendy and so I I think that my the pieces that I do have really stood the test of time where people will be like oh my god I love this painting and I'm like I showed that to you 10 years ago and you hated it (laughs) and I just think that the styles and people's vision of art changes over years as we mature and as their st- as our styles change and what have you. Do you feel social media plays a big part in that? Because, I mean, everything, you know, like the resurgence of the 80s culture and then, then the 90s culture after that and, you know, seeing how my kids dress where it's like, you're wearing exactly what I wore at 12 years old, which say, you would never want to be. I didn't say that I was selling paintings from the 80s. <laughs> no, I'm not saying like that. I'm saying the style, girl. You know what I'm saying. I mean, it's just yeah. the, the, uh, just kind of maybe what people thought think, were was more retro. I look, I look well, at graphic think, design now, and I and I say like, wow, that those styles are 70s esque lettering and shaping, and you know, and it's making a resurgence now in you know 2019. I think we're definitely in an age where any style can can go. You know, where somebody Sorry, I can pause one second. Okay, at an age where any yeah. style can go. Right. Yeah, I think that there's so many different fashion trends from over decades that people are adapting to because it fits their personality better. And as a society, I think we're just more open to whatever people want. But the modern movement, more people liking modern design, which before was really unattainable to a lot of people, I think. They didn't identify with it. It was too hard. I think that People are really gravitating towards that now, more modern art. Some of the stuff that maybe they weren't attracted to 10 years ago, they're liking more. When I first started my faux finishing business in Sarasota, everybody wanted Tuscan. I mean, I did Tuscan walls, Tuscan cabinets, Tuscan, Tuscan, Tuscan. And then you get to Louisiana and everybody... Venetian? Yeah, yeah. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Right. <laughs> so let's talk about, let's kind of switch gears a little bit from the fine art to the faux finishing. Yes. So you do what? Cabinets? I do a lot of cabinets. Walls. Yes. Anything that can be painted. Furniture. I do a lot of color consulting so I can help you pick out the colors for your house, pick out the finishes for your house. So you're like a designer, basically, I do like too. paint design. That I know it's kind of, it's kind of weird because... You know, what do you say for that for people who I'm a paint designer or it's not really a title of anything, but I think everything's a title these days. I agree. (laughs) And I think, I mean, you have the track record and the pedigree to show your shit, you know? Yeah. So um, then, you know, I can suggest to them what kind of furnishings to get, soft goods, hardwares. I have tons of 
uh, people and companies that I love working with uh, that, you know, I can assist them in every aspect to their home. I don't do like CAD drawings or I could be like, this room would look great if you take this wall out, but I'm not going to assist in that anyway. But yeah, just helping people do their home plan for colors, even if they're going to do it a little bit by a little bit, then, you know, if you're going to buy towels or sheets for a room, then you know kind of what your end goal is going to be. So sometimes it can help people really save money on buying stuff that's not going to work with their house that, you know, what do they do with it? you know, once that happens. So we can just go all over, you know, have help people pick out pavers, ceiling, uh, roof colors, shutter colors. Uh, right. Plant, a lot plants. of people are clueless when it comes to stuff like that, you yeah. know, and they can't really afford like an interior designer or somebody. So, but they need somebody with a good eye right. for color yeah. and for what goes. And a lot of people ask for like, how many rooms can you do in an hour? And I probably could do your whole house in an hour consultation to, you know, p- give you a palette of colors that you enjoy that you're going to decorate around and you know paint is just paint you can always do it over it's something that's relatively cheap and easy to change a whole room, change yeah. a whole room. it's not like a granite countertop or a cap if you're getting your cabinets finished you know it's not something that's going to be several thousand dollars per room to have done if it ends up being something that you want to change down the road i just feel all your surfaces in your house should be background to your art, to your furnishings, to, you know, the things that you love. And um, so. Are you a collector of art as well? I am a collector of yeah. art. Yes. Who's some of your favorites? Like, who would you well, say is your uh, I mentor? I love Miro Hoffman. He's a local artist. He does a lot of paint sustainable gardens and his stuff. Um, he's got a large piece hanging in Coquette in the bottom. Also, one of my favorite restaurants. And he has some shows upstairs there. But he's into all kinds of stuff. Um, film. And he went to... Uh, what is it? Noak? Is that? Noka? Noka, yeah. yeah. So uh, he went there, and he, I just think he's really talented, and I like his stuff. I saw his place at uh, Sui Generous one years ago, and I'm lucky enough to have a piece now. And uh, Cassidy Bro is an artist from Baton Rouge who I really like. He does um, Louisiana scenes, swamp scenes, uh really peaceful, beautiful um, pieces. So I enjoy both of those, but and other across the country, there's other artists that I've collected and still always collecting. I love it. Now, are you self-taught or did you go to art school? I went to Baton Rouge Fine Arts Academy for two years. Uh, when I was younger, it wasn't really my thing. Uh, a lot of watercolors in Louisiana. You know, my, my mom pushed me to do art that she would like and and you know just like every aspect of my life she pushed me to do what she wanted me to do and what she would enjoy and so I really had to kind of teach myself yeah you know the different styles I taught myself how to do all the faux finishing myself just got book after book after book finishing is amazing to me way before you could google youtube videos on it make it look something look like a marble or Yeah. yeah I have to show you my walls I did in my in my living room the marble um but I'll show you after but I just painted my whole uh wall in my living room kind of just a gray and white marble just to kind of give oh yeah I want to definitely interest. see that 
yeah, it came out really pretty. Uh, I've always had dark colors and this is my first time doing white interiors and I couldn't just do really all white. I had to have some kind of interest, but I really wanted a place that I could shoot my artwork in a different uh, in a different light with mm-hmm. a lighter background. So it's new. Trying new things. So we talked about your um, fine art. And yes. where do you sell most of that since you're not, you don't do galleries? Like, can people contact you on Instagram or yeah, Instagram. Do you have a website? I have, or? I'm Rickoff McCollum on Instagram. I have a lot of my artwork and faux finishes on there. Uh, Fauxshiggity.com, which is faux, F A U X S H I G G I D Y.com. You can see my faux finishing portfolio there. And then I have rickmick.com, R I K M C com uh, where all my artwork is and you can purchase it okay uh, there now we talked about let's talk about you mentioned that you are designing t-shirts yeah I am a huge true crime buff and I listen to every single podcast don't even bother suggesting one for me because I've already probably listened to the whole thing because <laughs> I could just paint and put in my earphones right, and right. You know, just listen to entire years of podcasts and, you know, days. So, uh, yeah, I started a T-shirt company to kind of raise awareness and funding for victims of violence Mm -hmm. uh, in marginalized communities and people who may not get the recognition. I'm working with Midnight Prints. They do all my printing. And we're hoping to get to a point where we can turn around some missing person shirts relatively quickly. That'll probably be a project for next year, Um, but something that we hope to offer for when there are missing children or women that they can help get the word out, help bring awareness to their situation and give people kind of some working tools for that. Uh, Another charity that we're uh, raising funds for is And the Backlog to test rape kits in different mm-hmm. cities that Which I understand is a huge backlog years it, right uh yes it can be years in different cities i'm not quite sure what it's like here um i'm sure it's horrible well when we were talking to bella blue about the fact that there's only like two sex crimes detectives i believe here and they work the night shift and there was a friend of mine who had a daughter that was assaulted here and every time they want to talk and get details they call her at like two o'clock in the morning it's like this is a 16 year old girl it just kind of messed up i'm not quite sure what the rape kit testing situation is here but there are definitely cities and states that are far behind and the issue with that is is that there could be serial offenders that we could be taking off the streets that we're not who are could likely reoffend. so we need to get those kits tested we need to bring those people to justice and of course we need to protect you know our children and women uh, by using those tools. So that Texas EquiSearch, which searches for um, missing people, unfortunately, you know, probably deceased people on horses, but they go around and travel the country. They were started by a couple whose daughter was kidnapped, uh, I believe, or child was um, murdered and kidnapped, and they now run this company that'll go and show up anytime you know at 
when needed to help in searches for missing people. And the proceeds for the t-shirt sales go to these organizations? Yes, not all the proceeds, but I think it's 20% um, for the t-shirt of all the t-shirt sales. Mm -hmm. It's such a huge problem, especially in today's day and age. I mean, as a mom of two teenage girls, it's my worst fear. The child trafficking, the sex trafficking, and it's just... Louisiana is is really one of the highest highest places. It makes me nervous as well with you know just for instance i spent this whole weekend with my kids and you, you know have to watch them all the time yeah just well, but it's just how and, and i know that baton rouge is probably worse than new orleans um what i've heard for just child trafficking and whatnot but you know they get out the car at academy sports and literally they're not the one thing is they're not looking both ways for cars or anything like that but they're also just like eh, da, 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 da. Yeah. It's like, you have to teach you them. just don't know and, and they live in such a sheltered world in baton rouge where everything's like picket fences and whatnot and when they come to new orleans or even when they're just in like a social scenario well, baton rouge just is so not oblivious. all picket fences baton rouge is definitely good at hiding and not discussing the situations that are at hand, which is why it makes it a perfect hotbed for sex trafficking and human trafficking, because um, they will, you know, on the news that night, discuss recipes for gumbo. Like, we need more recipes for gumbo here. (laughs) Instead of, you know, highlighting the situations when people are missing or, you know, certain issues. I'll tell you, we had... um... Two ladies on the show last week, they were coming in to discuss their nonprofit and their charity, um, Fashion for Foster Care. And so basically what it is, it's like they do this once a year upscale boutique um, sale. People donate high-end items and then they sell them and all of the money, the proceeds go to children in foster care. Just to like keep kids together. Mm -hmm. Yes. And she was telling us and kind of went into detail about um, children in foster care, how high the percentages oh, of those children who are sexu- sexually sexually trafficked because yeah. think about it. I mean, they're yeah. in a situation where I they're not this, getting a lot of protection. Yeah. They are probably Trust looking anyone. for attention. They're and they they're preyed on. And yeah. if they go missing, Horrible. nobody's really looking for them. Uh. Right. And that's what happens with the people in marginalized communities. And I would assume that they are as well. People in foster care, um, you know, to, uh, any kind of child that's at risk that doesn't have a support group watching out for them is uh, really, you know, de- in danger, unfortunately. Yeah. So, but where do you get the designs for the T-shirt? Like, where do I you get the inspiration? Them all. Okay. I designed them all. Uh, a couple of them are the Black Dahlia. kind of use her as my... Uh, one of my kind of right. logos. Still an unsolved, one of the most they, I think they kind of know who it is. I've watched every. <laughs> you know every more than I do. But obviously it's an older case. DNA wasn't a situation back then. So they'll never have proof of who it could be. But just as a reminder of violence of, you know, unfortunately most of the people who are victims of violence fall prey to men, you know. So... I kind of try to highlight these people, people who've been domestically abused Mm -hmm. or murdered or killed. I just started my last month's T-shirt was the Black Dahlia, but wearing a crown and with some Black Dahlias around her. And I did that on a tank top and a white t-shirt and I try to use all sustainable. That has taken so long to source American made organic, 
bamboo or cotton right. shirts. It's just that aren't either just black or just white or finding something that's long sleeve. And you so know, a lot of thought and unis- care is going into oh this line God. for sure. And unisex stuff just pisses everybody off. I feel like I can't wear it. Can you wear it? You know, I don't know. So um, he needs a unisex. Yeah, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you the, the, thing, the lengths that I go through for this podcast. And with Lake and Joy, some sort of. In a bikini with a poodle or something, some yeah. photo shoot. Now I'm wearing unisex clothes. Well, wait, we're trying to marry you guys off just because no, no, of no, the no, casting no, for no. the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For all the listeners, there's a casting for um, Married at First Sight. Married at First Sight. And Poochie wants the free honeymoon. So free if you honeymoon. can be here between two and four oh, on she's September 1st. Okay. <laughs> September 1st. I won't be here luckily on September 1st. So please just leave us. Two and four a September 1st. In I'll interview Thank everyone. <laughs> I'll take all my applications. Can we talk about living on Bourbon Street? Like, what's the craziest thing you've ever seen? Woken up in the morning, looked out your window, and what? What's- oh, there was a there was a guy curled up at the bottom of my stairs this morning, and the bicycle delivery guy across the street was like, "Do you want me to make a move?" I was like, "Well, I was just going to call the police." So, <laughs> whichever he's like, I'll get him to move. But um, there, you know, you see everything: domestic squabbles, fights, people yelling, people singing down the street. There's a second line that goes down in a daily daily i love new orleans sometimes huh? yeah because yeah. <laughs> big still guys that walk around yeah i don't really see too much of that stuff unless i walk out and journey some more on the residential side but you know you can see it all yeah you can yeah i'm kind of um quartered out i would say and not in a bad way it's just it's just when you get when you get back in the quarter and you start working in the quarter or living in the quarter it, it's just this vibrance of like, I feel like I'm in Europe again. I feel like I'm in all this, yes. in this culture. But then once you, after a year of like, damn, I just need a freaking parking spot. Damn, right. it's raining well, right now. And I just wish I could just, uh, you know, all these different if things. If you don't leave your house ever, it changes, changes it, which is like me. I'm working so much. I work all the time and I'm constantly at home. So that makes it a lot easier. But I do find that I, I draw a lot from the environment and how beautiful it is and how I feel like I am somewhere else besides Louisiana and that is how I get through my days <laughs> I get through the heat too like oh, you're visualizing yeah. you're in the south of France instead yes. of on Bourbon Street yes listening to French it's music there's a French bomb sleeping at my doorstep that's not a normal yes, I'll, I'll just you know yell get off my yard in French <laughs> exactly I'm gonna have to learn that now give me a <laughs> so what are some upcoming things obviously you have the you know t-shirt company and stuff like that and you have some other real projects going on but what are some other things that you can talk about i mean well i'm definitely i just finished uh, sourcing a bunch of t-shirts which is what i'll always be doing i mean i'm probably 200 hours in just of trying to search for shirts that took up a lot of my time so i don't have as many different shirts now because I really am trying to stay made in the USA and if that means that I have to offer similar styles over and over again I'll just do it to support those companies so they can grow to eventually have more options Um, so the t-shirt stuff will be busy through Christmas and I'm just working on my uh, new impasto show which is 
uh, takes a lot of time. So I'm just getting kind of back to painting every day, which I'm really enjoying. Which is your passion. Yeah, yeah. So that's really what my focus is going to be for the next two months is just painting. So Do you do just individualized pieces or do you ever do, have you ever done a show? Would you ever do a show? Um, it just depends. Do I do things like that would go together mm-hmm. in a show? Yes, like I do. Stuff? Yeah, like my map series is stuff that I would show together. Uh, some of my more modern art and abstract art I would show together uh the the what I'm working on now this impasto stuff I'm gonna have several pieces along the same lines and different sizes that are all going to be very similar which would be for a show but you know I can open my doors on where I live and have a show right out of my house which is what I did in December and I had you know clients fly in and oh, buy please stuff invite us next stuff. time yes I definitely will it'll yeah. be in the first few weeks in December and I'm yeah. not invite somebody to your home right <laughs> thank now. you now I have to cook You're, well, I'll cook <laughs> right. I'll do the cooking Thank but it's you. a really, really, really cool home. A lot of things going on all around and like a great courtyard. And it's real, just very you know, I love, I'm a quarter rat. I mean, I love the French oh, you quarter. Definitely. You we have to do, we still, we have to do a podcast like you is. did last time. I did last time. And how many, and then you have people <laughs> sleeping on your doorstep. Was it you? <laughs> it wasn't me, actually. And I only answered Pucci. the French. Yes. Yes. Monsieur Pucci. Yes, yes, that's it. Well, thank you so much for coming today, Amy. We've learned so much about you. Your fine art, your faux art, your t-shirt line for a good cause, and it's your art on the front, basically. Yes, so I'm designing them all myself. And you are also going to do something in the near future that you're going to come back and talk about. Yes, I will. We can't wait. Guys, this is an amazing concept that's about to happen, and uh, New Orleans needs it, and it doesn't have it, and obviously I'm not going to say anything more about it but just keep your ears and eyes open for what amy has to offer this city thank y'all so much yeah and thank for you, you too with your coffee shop and yeah your we're gonna go look at it now and and i'm gonna go check it to go. congratulations i'm gonna count on her with a non-disclosure <laughs> <laughs> you can just use yeah. you can use mine and you can change all the names <laughs> 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 then it gets a bit changed to present the other side